Welcome to the Death by Positivity podcast. My name is Jenny Marshall and I'm a self-diagnosed social rebel for promoting death positivity in Northern Ireland. This podcast will jump into conversations with local individuals who are connected to or interested in challenging the stigma around death and dying. I'm delighted to welcome along today to the very first podcast for Death by Positivity, my very close friend, my partner in crime, and my co-executive director at Mid and East Antrim Edgewell Partnership, Sarah McLaughlin. And Sarah is going to chat with me today about the fantastic, successful, first time for everything funeral festival that was held in Balamina. Uh, back in November 2022. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're very welcome. I'm very pleased to be your first guest. I know, it's very, very exciting. Um, as everybody probably heard in the introduction, Sarah um, works for Agewell, who I obviously work for as well. Um, so I couldn't actually think of anybody better to have my first podcast um, with. Very, very exciting. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. Um, it's a real pleasure to be here and I'm very proud of you starting off your first podcast and obviously around the subject that um, you're most interested in. <laughs> yeah, I get quite a bit of stick in the office, don't I? For Just a bit. Yes, yeah, loving, loving the subject. Well, but... I think you've um, brought us all around to understanding the, uh, the subject much more in detail and really pushing back against the taboo so it's been a good thing for the organization today. yeah thank you thank you um so yeah do you want to give us a bit of an introduction i suppose to your role within edgewell and how i suppose end of life and death fits with that okay so um i am the executive director for health programs at edgewell and obviously we're an older person's charity and um we provide lots of different support to older people um, one of those being uh, the likes of the Impact Age Bill officers going out to support people in their home. And very often one of the topics of conversation that they want to talk about is future planning. And um, end of life may be part of that. But also part of that may be wills, um, enduring power of attorney, the legalities around that, where they would like to die, whether that be at home or the hospital. Um, DNR, resuscitation orders, etc. So it's a big topic of conversation and it's one that we at Agewell really want to make sure that our staff are fully skilled in being able to guide those conversations and allow people to talk quite honestly. Um, so yeah, I mean, we work in lots of different parts of the community in relation to end of life. Um, we would work with compassionate communities as well um, and we would sit on a steering group and that would be us being involved in how different organisations across um, the Northern Trust area react and um, take part in that end of life palliative care world um, and how we make the outcomes for older people as good as they possibly can be in that area. Fantastic. And I'm sure definitely through Impact Edgewell, you guys would, would come across people who probably to a certain extent do you want to talk about end of life but 
maybe find that because it's such a taboo subject that family aren't very engaging? Would you find that? Absolutely. So it might be a case where someone can be just a bit worried or a bit anxious about what's going to happen towards the end. And it doesn't even have to be someone who is, for example, terminally ill. It's maybe just someone who is quite open to the idea of looking to the future. Um, but because because it's the same with anybody, nobody really wants to talk to their close family about them dying. It's not a conversation that the majority of people feel terribly comfortable with. Um, so you might have someone who wants to talk to their daughter or son and they've been maybe rebuffed or, oh, please don't think like that. That's never going to happen to you. But for one of our officers to go in, they can have um, a very open and honest conversation about anything. And that includes the end of life or death or funerals. Um, and we've had situations where someone's maybe suffering from quite a level of anxiety around these issues. And because they've been able to talk to our officer um, and put some plans in place, that's actually alleviated the anxiety that they felt and they feel a lot calmer and more in control of the decisions that they want to make and they maybe feel that they've taken a bit of a burden off their family as well um so whilst the family might not be ready to talk about it to them they can feel that they've prepared part of that for them fantastic really really is and i suppose there's so much of that in the day-to-day work um for us at Agewell and then so do you want to take us back to even how how the funeral festival as an event you know so there's day-to-day work you know ongoing um around death and dying but festival just seems so foreign doesn't it um how how did that come about well I suppose at Agewell we always like to take a different approach to things and we never really do things straightforwardly or like 99.9% of people would approach it so um, we had realised through different re- means and reasons that um, people actually wanted to talk about the subject. And we had realised that through, we did a community consultation following the first lockdown. And that was around going out and speaking to older people and finding out what their needs were following the first sort of era of the pandemic. Um, and lots of those needs came out around, you know, loneliness and fear and and things like that and we, we we kind of expected that but one of the needs that came out that we weren't fully expecting in such a, a such a big amount really was conversations around death so I think for everybody every day during COVID we were surrounded by death numbers about how many numbers of people had died there was such a fear of people going into hospital and maybe never coming back out again people had been on the side of the road, watching funerals, socially distant. People had lost so many people. There was a real fear um, and a real, um, there was like a curiosity really around, mm. how do I control this? And I think that's what it really is boils down to, is people really want to be able to control, feel in control again, where they yeah. were, things had been taken out of people's hands completely. Um, and I know this firsthand because, I lost my mother during COVID and her funeral was never anywhere near the funeral that we had expected or that she would have wanted. Um, and she had to be, she wasn't able to have a church service. We had to be, you know, socially distant. And, you know, so I, I knew that from a personal perspective. But when it came out in the consultation that that was one of the topics, 
we started to think about how how can we drive this conversation in a much more open way so you know how how do we really bring take away the taboo and allow people to think and ask the questions that everybody wanted to ask and and not to be afraid of asking questions um and then we also had the impact of um the queen's death in 2022 yes um and to have someone who's been a constant in so many people's mm. lives so our older people have grown up with that queen that they've monarch grown up lives. along with the queen haven't they've they grown yeah. up along with her and they've, they've got married and they've had children mm. and they've done all the things that she did probably in very different circumstances but um now this 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 icon had died um so we decided that we would let's just be take a different perspective on this and let's just make it a very open invitation to come and see things and ask questions of the experts the Bit real experts go big or go home style yeah so basically <laughs> as if you would go and plan your wedding or plan a big party how are you going to plan your funeral and do you want to come and see how you could plan your funeral and talk to the people who could do that with you and beside you and if that's something you want to do, that's great. And if it's something you don't want to do, because a lot of people didn't want to be involved in this sort of thing. But we just thought, you know what, we're going to take the risk. We're going to get the right people on board. And that took a long time as well, because we really researched the type of people we wanted to have there. Um, and we wanted to have the right conversations with them so that they could understand what perspective we were coming from. Yes, yeah, so what the ethos of the event really yeah. was about. And So tell me then, who who was there? You know, who did, when someone, when we opened the doors that day, you know, it was, and people were coming in, who were we going, who were they going to see? So we, yes, it was a real day of trepidation and like, what's it going to be like? And are people going to turn up at all? Um, I think you know what I was like the couple of days before <laughs> going, oh my goodness, have we done the right thing? Or are we absolutely, know. you know, down the complete wrong river here yeah yeah so it was it was a weird one because normally we're looking forward to events and we don't think there's going to be any issues but as you walk through the door of the laymore house hotel and it is very well known for its lovely weddings so it was a beautiful environment just won lots of lots of awards there hasn't it best boutique hotel all sorts of awards but it's a beautiful space um it's white it's light it's airy it's everything that you don't think a funeral festival is going to be so immediately people were walking into the room going, oh, this is lovely. This is, you know, so it's so nice. really good feedback. There was such a nice atmosphere in the room. So as you walked in, one of the first things you saw was coffins. And I'll be quite honest with you, there was several coffins placed at the front door. Um, and that was um, part of our funeral director who came along um, to display one of the funeral directors he we asked him we outright asked him if he could bring some of the fun, the coffins with him because quite often the very first time you even get to see a coffin is when your loved one is actually inside it um i know i was presented with just a brochure to pick a coffin for my my father and my mother um, such a difficult time as well to be making those decisions. Do you know, you don't have any any time to think about it. To time, and I mean, I hadn't got a clue. My mum and dad didn't tell me any of their plans. Didn't want to discuss any of it. So you're left feeling, what what, what kind of thing would, would that be too bright? It's a guessing game, yeah, really. Too, you know, too over the top. Is that too plain? Is that too simple? Um. So we wanted people to be able to see and touch a coffin for the first time, and. You know, there was all sorts there. There was a beautiful little um, 
think it was willow woven coffin which was just so simple and that's something that I would probably like for my your kind of choice that's my kind of choice um but then other than that we had music um we had flowers beautiful displays of flowers we had solicitors there we had um humanist celebrants there we had um the cats protection league we had the dogs trust and that was very much around when you die if you don't have a family member who you know is going to look after your beloved pet what plans can you put in place to make sure that someone is there for your beloved animal after you pass away that's so important because um just recently we you know as you know been involved in looking at you know different methods of fundraising one of which is legacies and you know from the legacies perspective animal charities are Mm -hmm. the biggest kind of earner so to speak mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. from people leaving legacies mm-hmm. and that just highlights how important mm-hmm. pets are in people's lives absolutely I mean they're they're a constant in people's lives uh, I mean you know I'm a dog lover and you know I oh yes we have Reggie and <laughs> Reggie in the office I couldn't you know couldn't bear to, to think of me leaving him alone if I didn't have friends and family to look after him So I can't imagine what it must be like for an older person to not know what's next for that animal. Um, And we know that from going out and speaking to people in their home, maybe who don't even want to go into hospital because they don't want to leave their pet at home. So that was very important and they have great services. Um, But other than that, we had the transplant services. We had the library there. um, We had lots of different people. We had pure cremation there. You're based down south. Um, they provide cremation services in a very um, simple logistical way in that they come and retrieve the body, take it away from cremation and bring it back to you. Um, and then we also had um, representatives from the new Antrim and Newton Abbey crematorium. Yes, this was before it actually it was, hadn't, was, hadn't been finished and it hadn't opened. And they were very, I have to say everyone in the room was so enthusiastic and so grateful to us for providing the space for them because they'd never experienced anything like this before. Um, it was a bit like a wedding fair, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was like a wedding fair, but for funerals. Absolutely. And I mean, the likes of the crematorium, I think, you know, it gave them the idea that this this is possible. You can invite mm-hmm. people to come and do, you know, a tour of these facilities. People aren't so frightened anymore. Um, but, you know, all the facilitators that day, the feedback was incredible. Um, the people who attend it and they were very wide range and you know we had older people obviously we had family members we had some people who were actually just attending the lady more for afternoon tea and popped in <laughs> um, just on a side note had my had my, my scones with my, my jam and cream and then popped into the funeral festival booked my coffin um but we also had people from the statutory services there so we had lots of different people like the social workers um, who would work with the elder care team in the Northern Health and Social Care Trust. Um, and they just thought this was incredible because these mm-hmm. are conversations that they have to have day in and day out with people. And it's not an easy conversation to have. No, it's not. And I think the more the likes of events like the Funeral Festival can make it part of, mm-hmm. of every day. And I think we were always very, very clear on that whenever the planning was going on was, do you know what? Even if people do have a laugh about it, mm-hmm. at least they're still coming in the door. And, and maybe like, that's the first step, isn't it? Exactly. It's a bit like the social media that we shared around it. Um, 
you know, we worried so much. I don't you yeah. remember the pamphlets. We worried so much about the brand and, um, and we went quite, you know, out there, I thought, for the branding, which I was very pleased with. Um, and some of us worried that it would be too, too, too much. much. Yeah. Um, so it was based around the sort of Day of the Dead celebration that they have in Mexico. Yes, in Mexico. Um, but some some people here and in the office and other people had said, I think that's too much. That's, you know, it's quite offensive. And, and you do walk a fine line. But I have to say on social media, you could see below the line comments were so balanced because you had yeah. some people who were this is not good we don't like this that's not you shouldn't be focusing on this but then you had other people coming back this and is it was, great this is yeah. great this is what we need to see we need to be more positive we need to be more open and so it was a balanced conversation um and as you say then on the day the people that came we did feedback um we took feedback um on the day and 19 i think it was like 99.9 percent .9 was positive you know, there was nobody who felt that it wasn't comfortable. There was nobody that felt that they didn't like it. You know, it was just something a lot of people said, I had no idea it would be like this. Yeah. And that's exactly what we There wanted. was lots of feedback around that, that, um, that warmth mm -hmm. and the positivity and the lightness of it all. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, I think there's an element of that in having that open conversation, mm -hmm. isn't it? That's what's so kind of light and freeing about it. And, I think it's it was because we made it more about a celebration of people's lives yeah. rather than, you know, a terribly sad environment about a funeral and a death. Um, we made it, again, going back to that whole control issue, gave people control back, but also made them sort of realise that it could be a lighter event, it could be celebratory. Um, it could be what you want. Exactly. That's, I think, the key to it. You know, and the key to, for me, the message as well that we wanted to spread was you know, a funeral doesn't have to be traditional, traditional and what we <laughs> see on TV, you know, or to a certain extent, what your loved ones would, would mm -hmm. choose for you. You know, mm -hmm. if you have thoughts and ideas around what you would like, you know, mm -hmm. write them down mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and ask your loved ones to carry out those mm -hmm. wishes out for you. And that's one thing that we did before the funeral festival. We, um, you and Charlene, um, this was like a last minute yeah, last dot com. But we knew that midnight we, hour. <laughs> we knew we needed this, and you, the two of you, brought that together in no time at all. And it's a, such a fantastic resource. It's a, just a little simple journal for someone to be able to record their thoughts and wishes through the prompting of some simple questions around what their plans they would like their plans to be. So if the peace of mind planner as it was like last minute midnight hour and for us we just felt you know to give everybody essentially the tools at the funeral festival we also needed to give them something on the way out that they could you know those choices could be recorded mm -hmm. um but there's a lovely story then actually we mm -hmm. only found out afterwards mm -hmm. i know it's just it's heartbreaking in one way but yeah. so lovely in another so following the funeral festival maybe about a month later one of our um, colleagues met someone um, out of work and they found out that um, where his place of work was and um, they said, oh, I, I know, I, I'm all right. Well, they were not from this area, but they recognised the name and age well. And he said, you, you'll never believe this, but um, my aunt just passed away and we had no idea 
what her wishes were to be for her funeral. But we found your piece of mind planner just before the funeral. And so we knew she had been to the funeral festival and we knew everything that she wanted. Amazing. And we were able to put it all in place because of that little booklet that she picked up one day. And that to me and to everyone, I think to you and everybody, that was that for that one person to have had her wishes carried forward made such a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's that if we can get that across, isn't it? You know, it's you can have your, your, your wishes and you can have those choices and it's about making those choices if you know if you want to be buried in a pink flamenco um pair of pajamas with you know flamenco slippers Mm -hmm. or you know if you want to be dressed in your christmas jumper if that's where you're happiest you know write those things down Mm -hmm. you know there's nothing to stop i think we have to break this kind of glass cube of what a funeral Mm -hmm. must look like Mm -hmm. um and and what it has to be mm-hmm. whenever it doesn't. And just to be able to ask questions, because one of the things we did was we took people's suggestions and questions that day, and then we were able to ask our funeral director the questions that people wanted to ask. And then he was able to give us the answers, which we then published in our next, in our Agent Well magazine. And we published them with the idea of letting people know that, you know, there's no such question as a stupid question. Yeah. You just just come out and ask people. Because it's very cloak and dagger, isn't mm-hmm. it, Death? It's very, you know, and I sometimes even think, you know, you go past a, you go past a, a funeral directors and mm-hmm. it's kind of like the, the unknown and mm-hmm. behind, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. it's very. But that isn't like us to, to, to me no. and you now. Definitely not. Because we just definitely not. We can we've met those people and we've worked with them and they're such good people. And it makes you feel like if more people knew this, yeah. it wouldn't be so frightening. What goes on and if we can promote mm-hmm. um those mm-hmm. those I those ideas and those mm-hmm. that it can be much more transparent. Mm-hmm. Can't Absolutely. it? So what do you think um the funeral you know even now, I still laugh whenever I say funeral festival. I still can't believe that we did it. Well, people still talk about it every day. Every, there's nowhere we go where festival. people don't say, when are you doing it again? Yeah, it's, and it has had that effect, hasn't it? Totally, totally not really. Really has. And I think it has provided that platform now where, as, as you kind of said at the very start, Sarah, you know, it was, let's just get it out there. Mm-hmm. Let's just get it, you know, let's not tiptoe too softly yeah. around this let's just talk about it as it is mm-hmm. um and then take feedback from it yeah definitely what would have been your kind of one takeaway do you think from the funeral festival oh that's a really difficult one you had like one thing you could take away from you know you you did take away from it that you, you would remember kind of for the future i think it was just the looks on people's faces when they walked in because <laughs> they because they did look a little frightened do you think they were expecting like kind yes. of dark, um, you know, somber, yeah, very mournful, you know, very respectful. like the ghost tree in a barries? Do you think that's what they were expecting? <laughs> I think they just didn't know what to expect, and I was so proud of people. Yeah, that's what that's what really resonated with me. I was so proud of people who were, you know, who took that step, took that step, and wanted to take control and had their own agency over it all because that is going to be so good for them and their families. And if we can start with that generation, the older generation now, that'll feed down and people will understand that it's not, it's not so frightening and it's something, you know, that unfortunately, yes, it will all come to us, mm. but it's not something to be frightened of. 
Absolutely amazing. Definitely. One last question for you. Mm-hmm. And that um, really is, if, if you're happy to, I want to ask, do you have any plans um, for your end of life? And if you were happy to share them, what, what would they be? So I don't have written down plans. It's not something that I haven't done, but it's but I would talk about it all the time. Yeah, you're quite open about it. Force me into yeah. <laughs> um, I'm quite open about it, and I would talk. I would now talk to my family quite a lot about it as well, because well, we've had quite a few bereavements in yeah, the last few have. years. We've had a tough couple of years, and we know what went well and what didn't go well. So you know, I would be constantly saying to my husband, "And see that song, and that song, and obviously, you know, the things like the woven coffin and." Um, the flowers would be very important to me because I'm a real, I love my garden, I love my wildflowers, I love everything about nature. Um, so whilst I don't have concrete plans, I know what I don't want and I've definitely told him that. But I, That's as much part of it as yeah. well, isn't it? What you don't want yeah. as opposed to what, you know, what you might completely. do want. Yeah, yeah, completely. So yeah, I think um, things are in my mind and and probably I should take a piece of mind planner and write it all down (laughs) absolutely absolutely should listen thank you so much thank you for being my first um willing victim shall we say for the podcast I honestly as I said at the start couldn't think of anybody anybody else better to to have it with because we often bat about (laughs) moral conversations like this across the desk um and it's been been very lovely having you on so thank you so much Sarah and I have no doubt that you know with the work that we do Edgewell you'll be back again at some stage to chat with me um about other pieces of work that have been going on too that are are interesting around this subject so absolutely thank you Sarah see you soon goodbye Thank you so much for joining me today on this journey towards inspiring death positivity in Northern Ireland. If I can ask just one thing of you today, it would be to take the opportunity to join our merry mob of social rebels and start the conversation about death positivity with a friend or loved one. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And please do keep your eye out for new episodes of the Death by Positivity podcast.